0: Welcome to the Employment Law and HR Podcast with your host, Alison Colley. Hello and welcome to this episode 185 of the Employment Law and HR Podcast. I'm your host, Alison Colley. I'm an employment solicitor and HR specialist and I run the firm Real Employment Law Advice and I have been hosting this podcast since August 2014. In this week's episode, I'm going to be talking about a couple of things that are on the horizon for employers that I think you need to be aware of and to be planning ahead for. As always, if you have any questions, or you would like any specific advice about anything we talk about today, or anything employment law related, then please do not hesitate to get in touch. You can contact me directly by email on alison at realemploymentlawadvice.co.uk, or alternatively, if you'd like to have a chat, you can contact me on our head office number, which is 01983 897 003. So without further ado, I'm going to get into this week's featured content. Now, as I said at the outset, I want to talk to you about a couple of things that are on the horizon and that are developing fairly quickly with regards to the workplace and with regards to employees. The first thing I want to talk about is mental health. Now, I did an episode of this recently about my top tips for managing mental health within the workplace, and that was in episode 180 of the podcast, which I'll link to below. But I want to bring it up again because it's something that we're seeing very frequently in relation to the questions we're being asked by both employers and employees. I don't think anybody can get away from the impact that The pandemic and various lockdowns have had on people's mental health and well-being and therefore my top tip again for employers is to develop a strategy now for how you're going to manage employees mental health and well-being in the forthcoming months and throughout 2022. So just again to re-emphasize that please do consider putting in place a mental health strategy now to deal with the problems that are going to arise with regards to employees in the very near future. The second thing I wanted to talk about was in relation to the working poor. Now this came off the back of a training session I recently gave to a group of people from various not-for-profit organisations and charities here on the Isle of Wight where I'm based and we were talking about various developments and things that they needed to be aware of in relation to employment law coming up and one of the things we were talking about was the working poor. We talked about the changes to the national minimum wage and the national living wage, which are coming in April. So from the 1st of April 2022, they're all increasing. But of course, as we know, the rates of wages are not increasing in line with the rate of goods in the shops and in particular in relation to household bills and so there are going to be people who work for you inevitably who are going to be struggling in relation to their household bills and being able to put food on the table basically. Now in many organisations and businesses where profits are good and you're able to then you should really consider looking at the real living wage and paying your staff the real living wage which is currently £9.90 for the UK and 11 pounds pence for London. Now for those of you who don't know the reason the living wage, the real living wage differs from the legal minimum living wage or national minimum wage is because it's been calculated based on the cost of living and ensuring that people are paid enough to be able to live basically and so it's one of the things that I think employers should be considering as a very minimum for their staff. Now with the not-for-profits and charities that I was talking to already of course they're very stretched in relation to their budgets um, and incomes more so because of what's happened with Covid but it's something that obviously they are struggling to be able to pay their staff any more and so we were talking about being aware And putting in place a strategy to support staff wherever possible who are what are considered to be the working poor. Now, as an employer, if you aren't able to look at increasing wages to make sure that they're in line with inflation and that you're paying staff enough to be able to meet their minimum bills and to live, basically, and you are just paying the national minimum wage or the national living wage, then I would recommend that you consider other strategies and putting together ways in which you can provide information to staff and to just generally support them in understanding the difficulties that people may be facing in their own households. There are resources like Martin Lewis's Money Saving Expert, where they put lots of money-saving tips and hints on there. And there are lots of people now who are producing lists of menus or weekly shopping, which can be done on a budget. So it could be as simple as signposting staff to those sorts of resources, or maybe if you have a staff newsletter or an email that goes out, maybe pointing them to some budgeting tools that you can find again on the money saving expert website or on the cab website and also just again being mindful that there may be people who are struggling and taking into consideration the stress that that can cause again compounding some of those issues in relation to mental health so if you haven't already thought about it It's important to be mindful that there may be employees who are working for you or who are on your staff who are struggling and could be considered to be in the new working poor. The next issue that I want to talk about and which I think employers need to be proactively thinking about at this time is what you're going to do if and more likely when the requirement to self isolate following a positive COVID test is removed. Now in the event that this happens There are a few things that employers need to consider. Obviously, if an employee has a positive COVID test and they are unwell, so they have symptoms of COVID, then your normal sickness process would apply. So, if they're not fit to work, then they are off sick, and generally most people self certify for the first few days. And then they would be entitled to statutory sick pay after they meet the relevant criteria. Or if you have company sick pay when somebody's off sick, then they would qualify for that. That's fairly straightforward and easy to deal with because they're not in the workplace and you're able to pay them under your sick pay rules or the statutory sick pay rules, depending on how long they're off for. Now, what I can foresee is problems arising when somebody has a positive COVID test, but they do not have any symptoms or they are well enough to work. And in this situation, what do you do as an employer? Because if you ask someone to remain at home and you prevent them from working because they've had a positive COVID test then you are required to pay them. You would have an obligation as an employer in any other situation to pay them if they have a guaranteed hours or a salaried contract for example. Now this is fine if employees can work from home and you have that ability to say right you've had a positive test stay at home for five days and just work from home that's fine, you can deal with it. Again, that's a a fairly straightforward thing, but something I think you should be putting in writing and communicating to staff if that's going to be your strategy when the rules change. The problem arises where you aren't able to provide work for employees and you're telling them to stay at home. That's when you're going to have to arrange to make payment to them. Now, again, many employers are very stretched and under pressure and I can understand you wouldn't want someone sitting at home being paid full um, and for doing nothing so you might say our policy is you have to attend work if you have no symptoms or you're well enough to then come into work and again that might be fine for the person who has covid and they might be very happy to come into work and just to get on with things the problem again arises where a colleague feels uncomfortable working beside somebody who has a positive covid test and who hasn't been isolating or away from the business for a period long enough for the infection to go. And again, as a business, you might be concerned that someone with a positive test is coming into work, and therefore potentially spreading it amongst the workforce, and therefore taking out more people than necessary um, if they become sick, for example. So again, lots of things for you to consider in this regard. I can certainly foresee a situation where there are people who are sensitive and to it and don't want to be exposed to potentially getting COVID. So how are you going to deal with that? Is there a way in which you can bring people back into the workplace but keep them isolated from others? Are you going to ask them to wear a mask? Are you going to work, ask them to work in a different area of the business? Perhaps consider changing their hours so that they are not being exposed to as many people as they normally would. All of these things are you need to consider as a business, and I would say that you need to start thinking about it now because it looks very likely that the rules are going to change and I don't think you'll have a very long lead-in to do so. Ideally, I would recommend putting it out to the staff and asking them what their thoughts are in relation to the procedure and process that's followed in the event of a positive test. Engaging opinion and then looking at some solutions that work for everybody and then once you have decided on what your policy is going to be then of course communicating that to staff clearly and offering the opportunity for people to answer questions ask questions if they wish to. Now of course the other thing that may happen and which people are predicting is that once the requirement self-isolate is removed that people will no longer test and or uh, lateral flow tests won't be available um, readily for free. So, if you have a policy in place which requires staff to test on a regular basis, which I know many businesses still do, they're asking staff to test once or twice a week, and sometimes more frequently, where they're working in the office or in a work environment with others. So, are you going to continue with that requirement to test once the rules change and/or once free tests are no longer available to staff. Again it's something I recommend rather than trying to react that you prepare for and consider what your position is going to be in advance. Now much of what you're doing here and thinking about should be dictated by your risk assessment and hopefully you already have a Covid risk assessment in place and I would recommend that you review that in light of the changing climate and the changing rules that are coming from the government and then make your changes accordingly. I absolutely understand that disputes are going to arise in relation to this and there will, will be members of staff who for reasons that may be personal to them or maybe related to a vulnerable family member or something else will be upset if the rules around lateral flow tests are changed and or the requirement for people to self isolate. So if you do find yourself in a position with a dispute or somebody who has a complaint or raises a grievance about your decisions in relation to your COVID risk assessment, then do get in touch. We'd be happy to chat with you about it and talk through the options you have and the ways in which to try to resolve it. The final thing I wanted to talk about and touch upon again was in relation to the introduction of hybrid working. Now, I covered this in episodes 174 and 175 of the podcast, which I'll link to below. And we covered it in quite a bit of detail in episode 175. But lots of businesses I know placed their decisions to put hybrid working into practice on hold when things started to change late last year in relation to the Omicron variant and when there were more cases people decided actually we're gonna put the brakes on bringing people back into the workplace at all and continue with full home working. Now I understand again with things changing in society and with COVID that more businesses are looking at introducing hybrid working again. So just to reiterate the points I made before about hybrid working, and that is not to rush into it head first and to actually consult with staff about what they want And things may have changed between um, when you did a consultation last year and now early this year as people's views on the world and what they want have changed. So it may be that you have to revisit that consultation with staff to see exactly what they want going forward with their working regime. If you are implementing hybrid working then I strongly recommend that you follow the checklist that we've produced and which is available to download on the website for free which I'll link to again in the show notes but you can find it at realemploymentlawadvice.co.uk forward slash DIY documents. And in there, you'll see the checklist to download. And that gives you a number of things that you need to consider in relation to the introduction of hybrid working. So there we go. There's a few things that I think employers really need to be mindful of at the moment particularly with the way in which the world is changing culturally things are changing in the workplace and what employees want so the first thing is if you haven't already put in place a mental health and well-being strategy to try to mitigate some of the coming issues that are going to arise I recommend you do that the second thing is to be mindful of the employees and staff that you have who may fall into the bracket of what we're calling the working poor. So those people who are working but still struggling to pay their normal household bills and to put food on the table. The third thing is thinking about what's going to happen when the rules change about self-isolation and how you're going to manage that as an organisation. And finally if you are reconsidering introducing hybrid working to again, look at the checklist and consider consulting with staff about how it's going to work in practice. We can help with any of these points and of course provide you and guide you with anything employment law and HR related. Don't hesitate to get in touch. Myself and my colleagues are happy to offer an initial free telephone call or to meet with you via Teams to talk through anything that you wish to. My email address is alison at realemploymentlawadvice.co.uk and You can always connect with me on LinkedIn. I share updates on LinkedIn all the time, um, in addition to our fortnightly podcast and newsletter. Thanks very much for listening. I hope that you have a fantastic two weeks and I look forward to bringing you the podcast again in two weeks' time. Thanks again for listening. just want to finalise by saying I wouldn't be a lawyer unless I had a legal disclaimer. So I must just say to you, that the information in this podcast is for information only it's general review and a general update it's always necessary to get specific legal advice about your circumstances so please don't rely on anything that you've heard in this podcast but please do feel free to contact me if you'd like further information or specific advice